from Glasgow International, bringing together artists and curators in creative conversation. Find us at glasgowinternational.org. I'm Daniela Valsgen. I'm in London. I'm a poet and an artist and a tarot reader. I was born in Lima in Peru and I've been living in the UK since 2003. I'm Catalina Barroso Luque. I'm from Mexico City. I'm just in Glasgow, I arrived yesterday. I'm an artist, writer, and sometimes arts programmer. In this episode, artists Catalina Barroso Luque and Daniela Valsken reflect on the forced evolution of their joint project, Dislesis, over the past year. I guess I met Daniela's work first. I was quite interested in their work, so I messaged, I just emailed, like cold, just cold called Daniela and be like, hey, do you want to do this? I like your work. That was really nice to receive because actually Catalina wrote me a work email entirely in Spanish and I rarely received that. It just felt really lovely, actually. And then Catalina came over to London and we, we met in my studio, spent a little bit of time together. And it started off from there, really. And that was in 20, like around March 2019. No, yeah. I think it was a bit later. I think it was maybe, I, sh I probably wrote to you in May. Yeah, mm. 2019, like two years ago. Yeah, and um, we were both interested in exploring things well, around language and also at that point you were working doing this big, big print. Oh, yeah. So uh, a lot of the exchanges we were having were about material, really. Fabric, bodies and intimate spaces working towards Glasgow International 2020. <laughs> yeah, I went to, like, I remember I was in Mexico City and I bought a whole roll of, like, 100% cotton fabric so my my family has been for like 100 years worked in textiles so I was just talking to my dad and he got very excited and he's like oh yeah you know I'll take you like really early <laughs> to the city center and we'll go meet all the like fabric merchants and literally I went to see all the fabric merchants to find like a roll of fabric I wanted that wasn't dyed because a lot of like white fabric they bleach mm. And then I bought that roll and I used that to do make some really big prints and then took some to Daniela. So we initially wanted to wrap everyone <laughs> in this fabric. But yeah, yeah, then COVID happened. Yeah. I think it took us to a space of confusion for quite a while. Us having to actually just shift our relationship away from planning something to maybe just trying to figure out what else could the work be. And for me in that process, I feel we, we started collaborating in a very different way. It wasn't anchored anymore on this event. So it was just like, ooh, what do we want to work towards? That was just confusing. Like a lot of the time that was like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> and frustrating mm. I was in Mexico and I wasn't sure if I could come back to the UK and we weren't even really sure if like there'd be a live festival and we both really just want to do like make physical things 
this frustration of the fact that like travel restrictions just didn't work. We couldn't really plan towards that, although we had a space and everything. And I kind of feel like we were both going through like a lot of changes in our own personal lives at the same time. Yeah. We were trying to explore other things that we could do. And we did. And I think those are valid routes that we are going to follow soon. But in terms of the GI work, we were constantly hitting this empty space. Like, what can it be? What can it be? And at some point, that space was filled with, I guess, our relationship, like our exchange, our dialogue, yeah. I want to write about how hard it's been to negotiate my belonging to La Tribu Barroso while skirting around the traps of prescriptive femininity. My aunt says I look just like her, except I'm white. My aunt, while grappling with homosexuality in her own kin, says that motherhood will make me complete. And so, I write to you again in the middle of the night. Deslices. Uh, the translation means slippages. I guess maybe it is a space where like things maybe slip in and out of meaning and it's like a bit amorphous. And maybe error. I feel like the word deslices can also mean error. Like, tuve unos deslices. <laughs> maybe more in a, in a romantic it's like a juicy way. error yeah. <laughs> like a juicy error <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah because that's been our working title since 2019 this and that's the one thing that hasn't changed and kudos to us because we were quite strategic in giving ourselves like enough space <laughs> I guess Sliding in and out of spaces, like Spanish is our mother tongue, we both write in English, so I think originally we were alluding to language, and as the work has progressed, and there's been more of ourselves coming into the work, it has other implications. It's about ways of being in the world. So this Lisa's is, we're calling it the first iteration of an ongoing conversation across places, languages, experiences of migration, identities. And it now exists as a audio piece and as a, how do we call it? Is it a graphic? <laughs> like a, a print, a print. A print, yeah. let's call it a print. Yeah, let's call it a print, yeah. Which is like a collage of extracts from this ongoing WhatsApp exchange that we've been having and which we send each other voice notes, texts, songs, pictures. And then Richard McMaster helped us put the audio together. And Samantha Wetton designed the print. A lot of ideas and notions and concepts don't really work between maybe like the different universes we both live in between, like Latino America or like El Sur, anything like from, you know, the border of the U.S. down in the, in the Americas compared to like the Anglophone world. 
it's like they are like two very different realities. So I guess that's also what we were thinking about slippages and like living in both for us. Hi, Daniela. I tried to make a drawing for you. A body with a spud. Una papa. Growing out from the body's lower cavity with roots and a flower. And because I was not happy with it, I rubbed it out. I erased it. I think we decided that we were going to start by watching the same film. It's this actually really beautiful film called La Teta Asustada, or in English it's The Milk of Sorrow. Um, and I'm not going to go in detail to talk about the film, but it is, it's quite a sad film. But anyway, what really hit me from, from that is this image of a potato. So the protagonist puts a potato inside their vagina. And it's, a re- it's, it's just a really, really powerful image for the themes and the violence in the film or the implied violence. And it just stuck to my head. And I had this like very like this this image, this drawing in my head, and I really wanted to draw it. So I tried to draw it and send it to Daniela. There were so many things I could respond, but I was like, okay, this is the thing that's like in my head, like really immediate. But then I couldn't <laughs> I just couldn't like I, I drew it and it was just really horrible and literal. So yeah, so I just erased it and then wrote literally that's what I just recounted, wrote that to Daniela. So I had asked Catalina to watch La Teta Asustada and I was shocked that Catalina had picked up on the potato, even though it's it's really there and it's a very strong image. But uh, I guess my relationship with the potato and the relationship of the work, my work with the potato is just so close that I lose sight (laughs) of it. So when Catalina reflected back to me this image of the potato in such a strong way, I was like, oh, "Oh, here we are again in potato land. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And and maybe I should say, like, I've been obsessively making work about the potato for, like, the past 10 years or more and it's been showing up and like going through phases in which is it's all potato then it's no potato but so I was like oh how did I find myself in this dialogue <laughs> sending this film prompt and now what's coming back is the potato <laughs> um, but I guess it had to be that way and for me um, the potato has been a useful to to even understand myself and be able to speak and articulate in a way that like traverses different cultures what assimilation is Uh, so it's like hey this food comes from here and has all these cultural significances and now everyone has claimed it <laughs> to the point in which it has become part of the identity of like so many different peoples. Maybe it was really intentional. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, I, potatoes are not really a big thing in Mexico. Um, you don't really eat potatoes, I guess, maybe the most 
The more similar thing would be corn. Um, but I guess it hasn't assimilated into like world cuisines as much. Maybe tomatoes. And when I was um, washing the potatoes, which were covered in soil, really caked up in soil, and I was brushing them with a vegetable brush, um, you know, there are these crusty bits of soil that don't come out that I had to scrape out with my nails. And then I realized that I had all this soil under my nails. Um, which somehow seems really apt, and I don't know apt for what, but I liked that. I liked the soil under my nails. I can understand maybe like what Daniela was like saying, like that, like the the potato can also like be not just about assimilation, but maybe like going back to maybe more like ancestral roots, which is why my reply wasn't like, oh, I'm going to speak about food. I was like, well, I just decided to talk about things underground and things being buried and maybe not disclosed and finding them again. And this idea of like, oh, you, you know, you put a seed in and then something comes up a certain time afterwards and it's something else. And from then I think it opened up, right? Because then that, yeah. Uh, yeah, it just opened up to um, ancestral references. Yeah. I've been thinking about spaces underground, familial spaces. Mi abuela Maria is 89. Since my return to Mexico City in December, I've been visiting her in her garden on a weekly basis. During this visit, she tells me about her mother, Luz Valencia Vidrio born the 14th of August, 1904, in Cocula, Jalisco. I know my great-grandfather's story like un padre nuestro. Hers has been kept somewhere dark. A conversation with a genealogist reveals Luz's Sephardic ancestry. Like a precocious child, my grandmother embarks on a quest to recuperate this lost matrilineal identity. Luz, Lucero, light. I join her on this pursuit. Yeah, I was very surprised we ended up, yeah, we were like from ancestral references somehow we ended up talking about virgins. Yeah, I never thought I would make work about some sort of syncretic Catholic heritage. Um, but yeah, there's somehow there was a lot of Marias in there. Yeah, it's interesting, this idea of the roots and what's underground, not the root, right, the rhizome. So it's not one central root system, but things sprouting in different directions. And I feel somehow that's the way our conversation went a little bit. It's like, okay, we're talking about these symbols. We're talking about heritage. We're talking about names. We're talking about a collection of places and a collection of heritages. And, and they're all like coexisting and still in connection with each other, but it's not in this one genealogical tree sort of rooted system, but it's like all, all around. I guess, Catalina, you, you would identify as Latin American and I, I identify as South American, <laughs> uh, but there is that proximity. <laughs> um, and, and we shared uh, 
we share a lot actually and there's also a lot of difference right like there there is a lot of difference um and that tension about like all the similarity and all the difference seems to be really for me it's really productive like we we can tell each other we we cannot assume like there's enough ground for us to like um see each other and then also oh we cannot assume like there's there's there are things to find out about each other and that's been really interesting for me like to just uncover right oh i can talk about if i'm speaking with another peruvian i'm talking about the potato like of course but like catalina is like we don't eat potatoes <laughs> we eat corn <laughs> <laughs> um yeah i don't know how you experience it no i mean it's true i like it's funny that you picked up and like I consider myself Latin American, you're South American. I think this is the first time in which like, we've actually made this distinction between Latin American and South American. I was going to say the same thing. <laughs> I was like, hi, nice to meet you. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, I did, so there is this song by this Colombian group called Acido Pantera, and they, they talk about the South and the North. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, send send it to me. Send it to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's called Sonido Campechano. Cool. I look forward to listening to it. I think that is a massive difference how South America sees itself versus how Mexico sees itself because it's North America. Maybe I've always been in two cultures to an extent. In between. Yeah, in between two cultures. Yeah, but like, yeah, talking to Daniel, there's definitely, yeah, I agree. There's like things you can't assume. It's like you think they're shared and maybe, maybe feeling very lonely in Glasgow that there's no one from maybe like Latin America, really. There's still massive difference. And in itself, I find that really enriching. I mean, I share that um, loneliness of not being, being a migrant in the UK from South America and like, making art and having all your aesthetic and reference points, the labor of having to unpack and contextualize my choices on my work and what I'm referencing um, is so much. <laughs> and in doing that labor, sometimes all that energy that's going into contextualizing the work takes away from just the process of being in the work. To a degree, I feel like in this collaboration, even though we have a lot of points of difference, there was a lot of that that we didn't have to do for each other. We didn't even have to explain that we did, you know, it's like we're starting from maybe three quarters of the way <laughs> and then we're finding out like the last stretch. Maybe I th there's also the, this notion that we also have, we, there is a shared language being Spanish. Um, which maybe does give you, like, you know, puts you two-thirds of the way there. Yeah. Even though our, our work totally shifted from us just only speaking in Spanish to then actually, <laughs> like, oh, we have to do this in English. <laughs> I mean, I did think that, the, like, when I was listening to the audio and I was thinking, like, would this be better in Spanish? <laughs> I wrote this whole email to another friend just thinking, we're like, oh, like, the work is dealing with all these things, but I feel like English is just containing it and not in the way I would like it. 
I was, I, yeah, I started getting very frustrated at, at English and the baggage it brings like a very specific baggage that maybe this is like where things actually don't, don't translate. And so, yeah, I started thinking, it's like, oh, maybe, maybe the work should not have been in English at all. We should just done like, just done in Spanish and, you know, like, it's like learn a lot of language. <laughs> but maybe I, we didn't have the guts to do that. I guess, I guess not. Maybe next time. Hmm. <laughs> I mean, I guess I feel ambivalent about that because I agree with you. I feel like it's a lot of work to be speaking about things that I think and feel about in Spanish. Because like, I have no problem speaking about things about my life in English and art. In, when I'm in English mode, I'm in English mode and it just comes out. When I was buried, just before the sun rose, All my body under the soil, only my head sticking out. I had both heightened sensation and also numbness. I feel like we were accessing within ourselves things that we speak about in Spanish. Mm -hmm. And we think and feel in, in a, a very like inside our brains. That's in Spanish. So we had to do all this work of translating that into English. And I don't think we even like accounted for that. Like when we were doing it, it was just like, oh, okay, this is what we have to do. And for me, what that touches on as uh, like as we're talking about it now is like, oh, I also recognize and acknowledge that I have a need to be understood and if I want to be understood and seen I have to do the work of um, extending a bridge which is like the translation the explanation the contextualizing and I don't even though sometimes I'm tired I also sometimes feel like yeah like I mean, don't, are we not doing that in every, like I'm doing that with my mom even, like I'm doing that, <laughs> like I'm doing that in every relationship, right? Like, we're, like to an extent and like here, like the, it's amplified because of the language. Um, I think there's a way of speaking, um, uh, especially once things get familiar and intimate in which you're exploring language in a more informal way. Like we were talking about how in, in South American, Latin American, Spanish, everything is small. Everything is, is like a, a little note, a little hug, a little message, a little ito, 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 ito like, and, and, uh, and that adds this quality of like tenderness to the tone that, it's impossible to translate um right we, we did speak about that yeah and I think also like if it wasn't because it's in English you lose a lot of um that would have come that would come across that you would see maybe you know where we're from would come across through our accents and a lot of like maybe like very particular words that we would use that we wouldn't share and I would have been like oh what? Okay. What does that mean? Um, 
So you do lose that all those particularities that like, I mean, language affords you, you know, you can talk about, you know, like a Yorkshire accent versus someone that's like Kiwi and they all will be like massively different. And even if you talk about someone from the south of England, from like the sky, like, so I, I do think like that, that got restrained and maybe I think langu- language in itself, you know, like carries a lot. And maybe I'm guessing like just like Peru, I'm guessing like probably is very similar in Peru, but like in Mexico, Mexican Spanish, it has like a really, really high quantity of words that are not actually Spanish. They all come from like Nahua or Maya or um, Purepechua. You know, like there's a lot like the language is like saturated in the in, in everyday expressions and everyday words that you would all of those like registers would come across if I had been in Spanish well as in English you know like you don't like you know I would say un apapacho and you're like what does that mm-hmm. and that's like a hug and that literally comes from um, Nahuatl but you don't get that in English because why would I say that yeah it's like we become as like Spanish-speaking people homogenized, whereas actually the way we both speak Spanish is very different and there's a lot of nuance and that would have shown um, in a very different way. And I think there's also some of the things that we were talking about, like especially when we got to um, sharing about all these <laughs> virgins and devotional practices and processions and um, uh, um, like songs and experiences that that I I I don't I, I I was like oh I don't know I can't even go further I don't know, I don't even know how to speak about my relationship to La Virgen del Carmen in English <laughs> like I'm, I give up <laughs> I give up. <laughs> mm. So this lease is, there's a physical print. It's an A4 double-sided print. So people visiting the Glasgow International can pick it up from the venues. And the audio will be obviously just online. Um, The print has a QR code, so you can also listen to the audio on site. I got a test of the print today. <laughs> I saw it on your Instagram. I'm like, I have I'm like, oh. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I put it on the Instagram. I should be better at social media. Yeah, neither of us are very good on social media. Yeah. Encounters with Catalina Barroso Luca and Daniela Valsken. Extracts from Deslices featured audio design by Richard McMaster. Find out more about the project and the wider GI Festival at glasgowinternational.org. Encounters was produced by Lindsay Moyes for Glasgow International, supported by the Scottish Government's Expo Fund and Arts Fund. Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.